Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, your source for Kentucky politics from a constitutional and conservative viewpoint. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooper Writer. The Andrew Cooper Writer Show, as a reminder now, <clears throat> does air Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. on WZXI. Um, you can also catch a replay of the show at 1 p.m. on all major podcasting and social media platforms, Rumble, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and then also, of course, your podcasting platforms like Spotify, iHeart, and others. But if you want to hear it at 9 a.m., you can only catch that on WZXI. And if you don't get WZXI on your radio tuner, uh, which is 1280 a.m. at 94.1 FM and 95.5 FM, if you live outside that broadcast area, it broadcasts out of Garrett and Jesmond counties there. If you, if you can't catch it there, well, have no fear. You can listen to the WZXI 24-7. Just visit theandrewshow.com. You'll find a player that always has the WZXI live feed on it, and you can visit my website at 9 a.m. and listen to it there if you can't catch it anywhere else. Oh, today is the day. It's election day, one of the most important days of the year. Now, obviously, not as important as such as Easter or Christmas or Opening day of Modern Gun Deer season, which is this Saturday, but still a very important day. There's been some interesting factors coming into these final days. I want to talk about factors that may tip it for Cameron, but also factors that may point um, to, to what, well, one good factor for Bashir. I kind of touched on it yesterday. We'll hit upon that as we have more data today, but there's a lot of good factors going into this for Cameron. Now, later on today, uh, I will be in Louisville at the Cameron, uh, you know, well, not just Cameron, but at the GOP election night party in Louisville. But I will also be giving you updates on WZXI every hour uh, on how the voting's going, on how that's coming in. So you'll be able to listen to that right here on WZXI and get your updates um, while I'm at that event, being able to, to kind of keep you guys posted on what's going on live. Now, as I mentioned, there are some things going into this final uh, time that really can affect the outcome of this election. Important things, especially in Louisville, and especially with the school system in Louisville, as well as some issues, of course, with the battery plant in Ford as well. And the reason why this would tip it, obviously, is we see people getting fed up. One, Bashir has ran on that Ford battery plant quite a bit, pointing to it as a crowning achievement of his administration. But of course, that looks shakier and shakier. And recently, Ford has announced that it will be laying off well over a thousand employees. Now they state it's due to parts, which can actually be pretty true. I mean, remember the UAW striking and the parts facilities that Ford runs. So it's very possible that with that strike, with those lay, uh, uh, has resulted in those layoffs. But of course that is kind of typical if I'm to be honest, unions, they don't realize sometimes how their strikes will affect their ability to keep a job Later on, they want to pretend it's all kumbaya. There's nothing, um, you know, these are just really greedy 
manufacturers not willing to pay up or pony up. And while that may be true in some situations, there is still some harsh realities that go into industry, some harsh realities that go into manufacturing, of course, and, and capitalism. And that is, if we don't have something for you to make, well, we can't pay you to make it. And if we don't have demand for what you're making, we also can't pay you to make it. So if something is too expensive, people don't want to buy it. So that, of course, will affect the outcome. But then on top of that, if we don't have the parts for you to make it, well, we also can't keep you on. And so those layoffs are a direct result of those strikes at those parts distribution center. But that coupled with, and if you remember last week, I covered this, this battery plant announcing that it will be delaying at least a second factory. And of course, that could be a PR thing. Maybe they don't plan on building it now at all. I don't know. That's just pure speculation. But that coupled with the layoffs has some people looking at that Bashir crowning achievement, looking at the economy, looking at what's going on and saying, look, I don't feel very comfortable with the leadership of this country at all, which is bad news for the Democrats, because right now the election is a referendum on Democrats in, in Kentucky because we have a Democrat governor. And then also as well, you can see it in the national poll numbers of, uh, of course, Joe Biden and other Democrats. I mean, the uh, a generic Republican ballot right now is polling higher than it ever has before across the nation. And that is just because of a failure to govern. And, and that results in a lot of things. When you when you stand there and say, look at all these jobs I created without realizing you didn't create the jobs, Bashir, private industry did, and you are stuck at the whims of private industry, which is exactly why uh, government should not be investing in the first place. Remember, you, the taxpayer, has given Ford $410 million, almost half a billion dollars, to go ahead and build that plant there uh, in Hardin County, in, in that battery plant. You gave them that, and now you're seeing layoffs, you're seeing delays. That doesn't help either. But once again, this is kind of inevitable. Every time, you as government get involved with investments to this degree, you're under public scrutiny. Investing in businesses is never a certainty. It never is. And no matter how much these government actors want to pretend to you like your money's being well invested and that, that these are investments in the people, they're not. You're investing in a company and things can go bad with individual projects. And if you're not prepared for those ramifications, well, don't try to claim victory on it. Because once again, it can get kind of shaky. But that's not the only issue going on in Louisville. Remember, if Cameron doesn't got to win Louisville to win Kentucky, but if Cameron can eke out a few more percentage points out of Louisville, uh, well, it, it does spell a lot of disaster, obviously, for Bashir. And one of those things that we've seen that's causing issues uh, here yesterday was that the bus drivers for Jefferson County Public Schools, JCPS there in Louisville, they did a sick out um, and 45 bus routes were canceled due to the sick out. Obviously, public employees are not legally allowed to quote unquote protest. But what you see happen, you've seen teachers do this, other people in the public school system do this is they do sick outs. And the the stated reasons, what they say they're sicking out over, this is what they've said, uh, some of the bus drivers to the media, is they're, they're complaining about unruly kids and also long bus routes. Basically, they're complaining about the working conditions. Now, this is bad timing for JCPS, as we've seen bad testing results coming out of 
uh, um, this most recent release of testing results. I covered this last week. We're seeing uh, four JCPS out of the 5% of worst schools in Kentucky, out of the 12 schools uh, in the bottom 5% of performance on test scores. This we found out, like I said, last week, JCPS has 10 out of the 12 worst performing schools in Kentucky. 10 out of 12 are in Jefferson County public school systems. They are objectively failing. Now, this isn't the first time they've had issues with buses either. This is just rearing its ugly head uh, from at the start of the year. You'll remember school was actually delayed. The start dates were delayed. They were pushed back because they couldn't get their act together on bus schedules because leadership poorly planned. You see, they rolled out these new bus schedules and never had buses practice them. So they find out day one that these bus drivers, they don't know their routes. The timing's bad. The traffic's bad. All those issues exist. They never tested these routes. And then lo and behold, they didn't work out when they tried these new systems. This is what happens when you have leadership that doesn't actually address the problem, but instead looks for excuses and takes no accountability because what we heard from JCPS during the bus meltdown and what we heard from all the liberals, all the Democrats, and Andy Bashir himself is that it's all the Republicans' fault because the General Assembly isn't funding transportation enough. They're not funding education enough. Well, may I remind you that JCPS sends, spends $20,000 a student. And I know that the problem isn't money. They spend over 20 grand a student. This problem isn't money. There's a very specific reason why I know that. And I'll be covering that after this break. We're running up against the time clock here. So in the next segment, I'll finish out talking about this bus driver strike, how we know that money doesn't solve the problem. And we'll dig in more into that. And other bad news that Louisville's hand having right now, all things that could tip it for Cameron. We'll have that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional and conservative perspective. We'll see you here in just a short bit. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky news and politics from a constitutional and conservative perspective. So before the break, I was talking about the JCPS bus route meltdown, 45 bus routes canceled due to bus drivers doing a sick out and of course, the liberals on social media and Bashirs and everybody else and the school boards and the superintendents, rather than taking accountability for their own cruddy governance, they blame it on money. But you know how I know money doesn't solve it? Because when the bus drivers were complaining to the media about why they're doing it, they said, we're sticking out over these horrible children that do not behave. We're tired of dealing with these kids that have no ramifications for their actions. And we're tired of long bus routes. You know what they didn't say? Money. They didn't talk about money at all. Money doesn't solve all the issues. We've seen all during this campaign from Bashir. Issues with uh, policing. Well, you know, we just need to play, pay officers more. Issues in our juvenile detention centers. Well, we just need to pay our uh, uh, prison guards more. Issues with teachers staffing and, and quality of teachers. Oh, we just need to pay teachers more. Issues in the school systems. Well, we just need to give more money to the schools. Issues with bus drivers. Need more money for the bus drivers. And the list goes on and on. Issues with enough social workers for the state. We just need to pay them more. That is the Democrat response to everything. Just pay them more. What they fail to understand is money doesn't necessarily solve your problem when the working environment is bad, when they feel like they're not accomplishing anything, when they feel like there's no reward in their work. And I'll give you the perfect example of this. There's a study done, I believe, by Ohio State University. This is many 
many years ago, but there's a study done by a university and they hired a um, hundred people and they, and they asked a hundred people to come out and said, we're going to pay you 10 bucks an hour. So a hundred people came out and um, they had them dig a ditch for four hours, take a break. And then they said, okay, now fill the ditch back in. So they filled the ditch back in. So essentially accomplished nothing. Then the researcher said, okay, you're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to pay you double. We're going to pay you 20 bucks an hour. And when you come back tomorrow, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to dig a ditch and fill it back in. Well, the next day, only 50 people showed up. And they dug a ditch and they filled it back in. Same thing as the day before. At the end of it, they said, hey, we're going to do the same thing. You're going to dig the same ditch. You're going to fill it back in. But instead, tomorrow, we're going to pay you 50 bucks an hour. You know how many of those 50 people showed up? 25. And then they doubled it the next day. Same thing. We're going to have you dig a ditch, fill it back in. They doubled it all the way up to 100 bucks an hour. And only a handful of people showed up. They'd already done the work for less pay. But every day it went on, no matter how much you paid them, less people showed up. Less people wanted to do the job. Why? Because they weren't accomplishing anything. It wasn't the type of working environment they wanted to be in. And the working environment that these people want to be in is one where they feel like they're accomplishing something. But when you have such incompetency, when you have uh, for police, a justice system that doesn't hold people accountable and you're arresting the same people over and over and over again, you don't feel like you're accomplishing something. When you have teachers where you're passing a student every single year, despite the fact that these students are not prepared, they don't know how to do math, they don't know how to read, and you're just shuffling them onto the next teacher, you don't feel like you're accomplishing anything and you get out of it. People say, we need to pay our teachers more. That's how we get people in here. Look, as long as I've been alive, people have been talking about how teachers need to get paid more and teachers aren't paid enough. Yet despite that, millions of people over my lifetime have gone to school and gotten degrees to be teachers knowing exactly what the job market is. And they do it because they have a passion for teaching and they want to make a difference. But if they don't feel like they're making a difference in these kids' lives because they're shuffling them on through or being forced to shove ideology down their throats rather than teaching them how to do reading and math and arithmetic and, and, and science and whatever, uh, subject that they're teaching, if they're not getting to teach that and see kids succeed, but instead seeing kids fail and then just passing them on forward, they don't feel like they're accomplishing anything. Same thing for social workers, same thing for juvenile detention centers. And now for the bus drivers, they're not safely transporting kids. They know they're not. The bus routes are too long and the kids are too unruly and they don't have a control. Parents are afraid to put their kids on the bus and bus drivers know it. They do not feel like they're accomplishing anything. And as long as that continues, money won't solve the problem. Money won't solve it. Now, of course, building on these issues going on. So you've got the Louisville uh, uh, truck plant laying off over a thousand workers. Ford battery plant there also, of course, delayed. We talked about that kind of dealing into it. We've got JCPS literally canceling 45 bus routes. Well, to top that off, if you remember uh, last week, I talked about the Louisville Metro Police Department nearing a consent decree with the Biden DOJ. I dug into... Uh, what the Biden DOJ says needs to be fixed and everything else. But at the end of the day, we already know we're seeing lower foot traffic downtown Louisville. We're seeing higher crime rates and certainly in a lot of categories, people don't feel as safe. 
And now we're nearing this consent decree, which if it's anything like the consent decree that the Biden DOJ forced on Cleveland, Ohio, we know that in Cleveland, after the consent decree, crime went up, more police quit, and it ended up costing the taxpayers about $12 million a year to pay for the extra oversight that the DOJ demanded. Meanwhile, living conditions got worse in Cleveland. That is what people can expect. So, of course, it makes some sense that we will see all of this in Louisville coming together to create these problems that really hurt Bashir. Remember how hard Bashir has protected our public schools. And I have nothing against our public schools in and of themselves, except that they're failing our kids, of course, and that demands drastic change. But his constant defense of that and attacking of things like school choice may help out Cameron in these final days as we've seen JCPS meltdown more and more. Now, while we are on the subject of melting things down in Louisville, I did find this interesting little story uh, on WDRB that I kind of found humorous. I thought you would too as well. Um, it's, a, it's, it's about a guy and a, a, a nonprofit coming together to get guns off the streets. Um, here's that reporting. I'm going to play just a little minute outtake of it. Uh, I think you'll find it perhaps as humorous as I do. Here you go. Craig Caviar is a sculptor blacksmith in Louisville. I really love the work. I love creating, making things that pre people appreciate. Outside of making furniture and architectural elements, he forges rifles and handguns. And I forge one end out to, uh, to a hoe, and the other end I forge out into a, a little fork. Transforming unwanted guns into handmade hoes. They're actually a highly functional tool. Uh, they're a little bit hard to make, although each time I make them, I get a little bit better at it. We're very blessed to have Craig here in, in Louisville uh, to be able to do this. Sonny Castleberry works to get guns off of Louisville streets and into the garden. Maybe you don't have a gun you want to give up, but maybe you know somebody who has one. And there you go. A uh, very interesting story. Now, I do have a public service announcement to make to all of you that may be tempted uh, to give up your guns so they can be turned into some sort of gardening implement. I don't exactly understand what kind of gardening implement that is. But uh, if you want to give away guns, um, have no fear. You can you can give them to me. I'll take them from you. I will make that sacrifice for the community. And I can promise you this. Uh, they will go towards preventing crime. Uh, if anything, not creating crime in your community. I can promise you that. Um, and I and I think that's a great idea. Now, obviously, uh, you know, these kinds of gun ideas in, in buybacks or what have you, these are called guns to the garden um, and where they take in these guns and then they make these gardening implements out of them. You know, quite clearly, these gun buyback programs, these kinds of things completely completely ineffective. If anything, it only helps criminals get rid of murder weapons and then 
um, senseless citizens give away their only means of defense, unless, of course, the gun is broken, in which case, well, I guess they can't use it to defend themselves. And I guess that's one way to repurpose it. But my point being is, is their stated purpose. They believe if we have less guns than our, that means we have less people getting shot. And that's quite the opposite because obviously the type of people willing to give their guns up like this are not the types of people that are generally going to be committing crimes with that gun. Unless of course, as I said, they are a criminal just trying to get rid of their gun. And obviously this program isn't having that much success. How can I say that? Well, part of the title to this story was that they need more guns. They don't have enough guns. Not enough people are giving them guns. And so they desperately need more guns because, well, it's not enough people are giving them up. So they're hoping maybe you'll be the fool to give up your means of self-defense. The other way I can tell you it's not all that successful is I Googled for about 30 good minutes because I was incredibly interested to try to figure out how much that little implement would cost. How much are they making off these uh, so-called guns to the garden, gardening tools that this forger is making? So I searched and searched and searched. And you know what? I couldn't find a single one for sale, which tells me that, well, they're really not making too, too many because they're not being all that successful in people turning in guns. But what can you expect? Well, coming into this final push, we've seen some... Uh, few few heavy pushes, uh, some ads, some other actions going on. We'll be covering that after this break. So bear with us. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional and conservative perspective. As a reminder, if you want to reach out to the show, go ahead and just email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, you can email info at theandrewshow.com. Give us your opinions, send your story tips, things you want to be covered. Send that on over and we will cover it here on the air if it's worthwhile doing. And if it's just a letter of admiration, well, I do appreciate that too as well. So that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you all back here in just a short bit. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional and conservative perspective. Thank you all for joining back with us. As I said before the break, we've seen a final push in these final days. Obviously, today is election day. And so we've seen, uh, obviously, a lot of get-out-the-vote campaigns and a lot of other things going on. I want to cover a, a few ads that I think are noteworthy and um, a few other points that's come out from the Cameron campaign. First, here's an ad from the Cameron campaign um, that got texted out. I don't know if it's from the Cameron campaign. It may be from a pro Cameron pack, but it got texted out across the state. Here's that app. Five. What did you want to be when you grew up? A doctor? An astronaut? How about the opposite sex? When Kentucky tried to protect kids from a billion dollar transgender surgery industry, Andy Bashir vetoed the legislation. Andy Bashir sided with the transgender industry, not our kids. Vote against Andy Bashir. That's a pretty uh, solid ad there, in my humble opinion. Now, I know a lot of people out there want to say, well, these social issues, how well do they really take off? And 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 look, I understand a lot of us um, just simply want, uh, you know, which is pass a few laws, get this thing done where we don't have to worry about this transgender 
takeover going on. We don't have to worry about fifth graders talking about drag queen names on their cell phones, something that really happened with a public school fifth grader here in Lexington that a parent told me about uh, that, you know, there was a, a group conversation he was in where kids are talking about good drag queen names right here in Lexington. You say, look, let's just get some laws passed. Let's weed these people out that seek to indoctrinate rather than teach, that seek to push a liberal agenda rather than the Kentucky values that we all share. These people that seek to, um, you know, mutilate children's uh, genitalia, those types of people, let's get them out of our positions of power, get them out of our state, pass a law, make sure that they cannot abuse kids in this way, and let's be done with it. Let's not use this as a political football to run cover. We do see Republicans using a lot of issues in that way, you know, especially at the state uh, level, random positions will use things like, um, you know, immigration, uh, illegal immigration as a talking point. And the question remains, you know, I've seen a state house rep, state senators run ads about illegal immigration. I have no idea what a state house rep or state senator can exactly do to affect illegal immigration. Maybe they can get a few laws or policies passed. But what's funny is, is when you do ask those that run those types of ads, that run those types of, of vote for me ads, I'll deal with illegal immigration. And you ask them, what specifically can you do? What law are you proposing to pass at the state level to help deal with illegal immigration? They don't have a response. I could probably think of a few things, um, you know, harder pushes to make sure that Illegal immigrants aren't able to benefit from yours and mine's taxpayer dollars and so on and so forth. Some some conversations that can be had around that, but that isn't what they're pushing out there. And they just use that issue in order to run cover for the fact that they're not very conservative or to appeal to you emotionally. So I get it. A lot of us like me just wish we could get this stuff done and we don't have to worry about it. But there's an important kind of message wrapped in this social issue messaging. And that is, um, it goes into how our state's using these dollars. And I wish Cameron could have conceptualized this a little bit better in a 30 second ad. Um, but you know, didn't happen, but basically the, the reason why getting rid of a governor that is for those kinds of things is, is better for Kentucky is because the governor has a lot of control over discretionary funding. Um, and we've seen this governor spend tens of millions of dollars on diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, uh, consultants and initiatives in our public schools, um, all types of, of taxpayer dollars going towards forwarding these kinds of far left extreme ideas, these transgender LGBTQ agenda. We've seen uh, a governor pushing forward things like you can transition kids at school um, without telling their parents. A governor that saw JCPS bus 150 children using taxpayer resources to Frankfurt in order to protest a bill, um, the, the Senate bill 150 to deal with this kind of transgender agenda and a good governor, a governor that stands against those things could address that. So it does have some legs to stand on there. I wish you could have conceptualized that a little bit better, but I still think that was a good ad to text out. Here's another thing that came across. Somebody sent it to me, um, an ad to deal with some of this uh, abortion push we've seen, um, I don't think this came from the Cameron campaign itself. I think this was an independent expenditure or some other type of thing. But I did see this and it is portraying a very important point as abortion has become an issue in this election. Uh, here that is. I am Brittany Bogard and I was conceived in rape and my family urged my mother to have an abortion. 
But she refused because she knew that I was a human being that deserved to live. My mother, unlike Andy Bashir, knew that I deserved life and that abortion would only worsen a great trauma. This election, I ask you to stand up for women and their children by voting for pro-life candidate Daniel Cameron. So there you go. There's a, I think that's put out by the Commonwealth Policy Center pack. And, and I think that's a really good at it, snapping back at some of this abortion talk. You know, a lot of people talk about, um, you know, these exemptions for rape and incest and why apparently that's so incredibly important um, to Bashir and these Democrats. Now, we know that they don't actually care about rape victims or victims of incest. What they care about is finding an edge, finding a way that they can get abortion legalized and continue to move that goalpost. Remember, it's about incremental strategies for either side when it comes to important social issue fights. And so anything they can do to move that just a little bit in their direction uh, is a win for them and can help them do that. So they use this emotional appeal of victims of rape or incest becoming impregnated in order to get you to okay the wholesale slaughter of babies, no matter how old they are and no matter how they were conceived. Because of course, uh, the next when they talk about victims of rape or incest, they're going to try to carve out an exception for people not trying to, you know, you'd say, well, okay, if you can charge somebody for rape, um, then, and if that person becomes pregnant and somebody's being charged for rape, well, they can get an abortion, but that won't be enough for the Democrats. They'll say, well, there's plenty of victims of uh, rape and incest that don't ever speak out. So anybody should be allowed to get it. You and I both know that will be the case. And it also doesn't deal with the actual uh, point of the argument. I've said this time and time again, for those of you that have been longtime listeners of the show, how a child is conceived shouldn't dictate its value. And I ask you, and I've asked people a million times over, would you kill a baby, a day old, a day old baby, would you kill it if it was conceived due to rape or incest? Would you kill it? Now, any good uh, hearted person would say, no, of course not. I am not for just outright killing a baby that's a day old because of how it was conceived. So I ask you, would you kill a baby a minute before it was born? 10 minutes before it was born? A day before it was born? A month before it was born? Where do you draw the line and what is the moral legal reason you would draw the line there? Some people try to claim, well, viability out of the womb maybe. But I would ask you this important question. Why does the baby's life suddenly matter at some point? And not only that, but that isn't a fixed point. Every single child in the womb is viable at an exactly a different moment. And as uh, technology and science and medicine advances, we would see that point moved farther and farther back. And laws shouldn't be based upon what is the most modern technology. They should be black and white. And you can't do that if you believe that all humans have value, no matter how they were conceived. And that's an unfortunate fact and things people don't want to argue. And I know a lot of you have opinions on it too. I encourage you to go back and listen to my past episodes about abortion and, and, and these arguments on it. But anyways, coming up after this break, we're going to talk about, um, can a recount happen in the governor's race? We'll talk about that as well as we'll talk about some turnout and some other things, um, you know, turn out how it's looked over early voting, what that could tell us about the outcome later today. We'll have all that and more 
uh, coming up after this break. You're listening to the Andrew Kubretter Show, your source for conservative viewpoints on Kentucky politics. We'll see you guys here in just a few minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional and conservative perspective. As a reminder, you can tune into the Andrew Cooperwriter Show every day at 9 a.m. right here on WZXI. And as well, if you miss it at 9 a.m., well, you can catch it at that 1 p.m. release time on all major social media platforms and podcast platforms. If you want to reach out to the show, send us an email at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, info at theandrewshow.com. So as I've covered much over this campaign, Cameron not leaning enough into Trump early on, I think may have hurt him in the long run. We'll see what happens later on today. Possibly may have to wait till tomorrow to know the full results of the election. I'll talk about that here in a bit. But it has appeared in these final days, Cameron has leaned in into that Trump card. He has um, went ahead, no pun intended on the Trump card. He obviously went ahead, Trump cut a two-minute video for him. We played that for you uh, last week. And then as well, um, that was parts of that was taken, put into a 30-second ad and has been distributed out, I'm told, onto TV, onto radio, onto other places. And additionally as well, yesterday, Trump held a tele-rally for Cameron. That is where, of course, you can call in and join in on a rally where Trump was talking about why you need to go out and vote for Cameron, hitting Bashir, of course, on his support for Biden and why that's so awful. If you missed the opportunity to tune into that, you want to stay more informed on what's going on in Kentucky politics and those kinds of events, feel free to follow me on Twitter, Facebook. On Facebook, just search Andrew Cooperwriter. On Twitter, my handle is at KY Cooperwriter. That's at KY Cooperwriter, spelled C-O-O-P-E-R-R-I-D-E-R. So go ahead and give me a follow. I did post about that yesterday before the event, so you could have joined in. But obviously, leaning in heavy to that Trump may help us in the long run with that turnout. Well, may help Cameron, not us, uh, in the long run with that turnout. And we do need to worry about turnout because there is some concerns about this early voting. So according to the Secretary of State, with mail-in and excused in-person voting done, nearly 300, about 300,000 Kentuckians have already voted And we've seen 161,000 registered Democrats vote early and only 131,000 registered Republicans. Remember, Republicans already hold a um, few percentage point lead, three or four percentage point lead over Democrats when it comes to registration here in Kentucky. So already, uh, you know, if everything was equal, you'd expect Republicans to outturn Democrats, but that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing 30,000 more Democrats having turned out to vote. To give you some idea of why I'm concerned about that, last year in early voting, Democrats were also ahead of Republicans, and we know Republicans typically vote on election day. They show up in higher numbers on that election day. But in 2022, there was only an 8,000 gap in the same metric at the same time, only an 8,000 gap. And here we see a gap of 30,000 voters. So That is very, very concerning. And I've said time and time again that there are a few things that have me worried, obviously, about this election. I just mentioned not leaning into Trump early enough. Um, Odd strategy, lack of policy, uh, obviously some rough debate performances by Cameron that do point to something positive for the Democrats. And we're also seeing this in this early vote 
uh, turnout campaign, 30,000 more Democrats. Now, obviously, as well, the Democrats have done and have always led a good get out the vote campaign. We've seen here uh, in the Lexington area, the NAACP partnering with that Black Voters Matter. Once again, Black Voters Matter is that group that cut that extremely racist ad going after Cameron, calling him an Uncle Tom and saying uh, uh, he ain't kinfolk, all skinfolk ain't kinfolk, and then attacking Daniel Cameron, essentially saying he's not really Black, extremely racist. Um, but anyway, so they partnered together and they uh, rode a bus through trying to turn out the vote there on election day. We are seeing a push, though, obviously on the other side from the Cameron campaign to try to rally, try to turn out that vote. Certainly going to need it with 30,000 more Democrats having already voted. Well, that's also assuming, though, that all those Democrats are turning out and the, and they're voting for Bashir. And they may not be. Um, I mean, they may not be. And and if more Democrats vote than Republicans, Bashir still loses. I think that sends a clear message to the Democrat Party. They need to get their act together. Now, I do want to tell you guys something about tonight. You may not know who the governor is at the end of tonight. You may not exactly know. There may be a tentative answer, but the legislature uh, in, in, I believe, 2021 passed a law uh, stating that if an election is closer uh, than, I believe, 0.5%, so half a percentage point or closer, there is an automatic recount that takes place. Priorly in Kentucky law, there has never been a way, it, it didn't matter if, if it was a governor's election, millions of votes cast, and then it was one vote um, that the person won by, that didn't matter. Uh, there wouldn't be uh, legally required to be a recount. So law was passed to do that. So even on election day, if it is close, like it was last time, only a few thousand votes different, you will probably, you will see a recount, obviously a recanvas and a recount. There's a difference between the two. A recanvas is just a rechecking to make sure that all the votes have been tallied. Uh, and then of course, a recount is where they physically go through and then they recount all the uh, ballots, making sure every single one of them was properly counted. So if you do see that, uh, you may not actually see who the victor is tonight. So that is something to keep in mind. It doesn't necessarily mean anything too, too crazy. Um, it just is something to be aware of. Obviously, I know a lot of people are concerned about election integrity. I am told that the GOP has got their act together here in Kentucky for this. Uh, they, they have a lawyers on standby. They have people watching the polls, um, keeping track of what's going on. And if those poll watchers are seeing anything wily, um, they have a team of lawyers on standby, ready to file, ready to take care of things. That's important uh, to make sure that our elections, of course, do have a, a security to them and Republicans need to feel safe in going out to vote. And so there are election watchers keeping track of things that's going on. So hopefully we don't see any pipes burst or those kinds of things. If you understand uh, what I'm saying, as a reminder tonight, I will be up in Louisville providing on the hour updates here on WZXI on what's going on. I do want to encourage you though, please take a moment and encourage others to go out and vote. Send a text message, uh, call a friend, um, talk to your neighbors and encourage them, especially if they're conservative, but encourage them to turn out and vote um, in order to make sure that we have a good turnout and that we can turn the tide on what's going on here. Because call me crazy, but I just don't think if somebody 
has violated our Constitution time and time again, especially knowingly, violated our First Amendment, violated our right to travel, violated, uh, uh, just consistently gone way too far, violating our Constitution time and time again, you know, arresting people for going to church. Uh, somebody, if we've if we've seen somebody uh, failing in our juvenile detention centers, we've seen school systems failing and becoming more politicized. Uh, we're seeing greater and greater issues, obviously, with our economy. We're seeing a governor that believes economic advancement is taking hundreds of millions of our dollars and giving it to private companies to bring jobs here that then there's nobody to fill. And somehow that's economic advancement. We're hearing that time and time again from this governor. And I just believe somebody like that needs to be replaced. And I think it sends a clear, clear message that you cannot just do whatever and expect to be reelected. But people got to have their eyes open. They got to have this explained to you. I know, obviously, it can be difficult to talk to people about politics. And this is part of the reason why I think conservatives have lost so much ground in these social wars is because we are the type of people that grew up hearing uh, from our parents, well, you know, it's not polite to talk about politics uh, or religion or tell somebody how to parent their kids at the dinner table. But when you look at not just at the dinner table, but in public. But when you look at what ails our country, it's politics, it's a lack of religion, and it's parents that aren't parenting their children properly. All three things we're told to never talk about, and yet that's exactly what ails us the most. And it falls to us, the conservatives, to stand up for truth and what's right. And part of that is voting. And part of that is voicing your opinion, not allowing us to be drowned out by these far left liberal crazies that think they're right, ignore everything else they claim. They're the only voice that matters because a lot of times they're the only voice that's speaking up, but it is time we as conservatives do just that. It is time we speak up. And once again, part of the way to do that is to go out and vote today. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for. I'll be back here tomorrow, hopefully giving you some great updates about how election night went um, and a great outcome. But bearing that, we will be through it here together tomorrow, uh, 9 a.m. on WZXI, available at, once again at 1 o'clock everywhere else. Thank you all so, so much for listening and joining us. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. And remember, go out and vote.